So it is rummage week at Chippewa United Methodist Church. So we're going to turn in the Old Testament to a time when the people of God were going through a transition and they were trying to figure out what did they need to keep and what did they need to get rid of. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was moving from a tent into the temple and they needed to figure some stuff out. We pick up there in 2 Chronicles. Then Solomon summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. And all the Israelites came together to the king at the time of the festival in the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The Levitical priest carried them up and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The priest then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the Ark and covered the Ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends extending from the ark could be seen from in front of the inner sanctuary, but not from the outside, the holy place. And they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. The people of God are going through a momentous transition. You see, the Ark of the Covenant had, had lived in a tent from generation to generation, had, had moved with them in the wilderness as they traveled, had moved from place to place when they were a Bedouin people following the flocks. And the Ark of the Covenant, they believed, was the dwelling place of God. That above the Ark, that's where the presence of God lived. Picture the Ark as like a throne. Now, we know that God is everywhere, here and everywhere we go. But they believed that the presence of God was right on top of the Ark. So as the Ark is moving from a tent to the temple, it's like God is relocating, moving into the temple. God had lived in the tent when they were travelers, when they were sojourners, when they were shepherds and herders. But now, now they've become city folk, gentrified, moved into Jerusalem. 
And you know, every other country has a temple. So we have to have a temple. When all your neighbors get a swimming pool, you have to have a swimming pool. They had asked for a king because all the other nations had a king. And well, that had mixed results, but they wanted a temple just like, I mean, their God was greater than all the other gods. So why shouldn't the God of Israel have a greater temple than every other God? So Solomon built a temple and it was ready. And the day came. And I love this story because it's such a human story. And I would say it's a good church story because they bring up the Ark of the Covenant, but they also bring up the tent of meeting. What are they going to do with a tent inside the temple? But I'm guessing there was a tent committee, you see, and they had, they had taken care of the tent. Not only had they taken care of the tent, but their fathers and their grandfathers, they had fixed the poles when they broke. They set it up. They put it down. They timed themselves, see how fast it was, and they sewed the tent. They stitched it up when it ripped. So the tent had to go. If God was going, so did the tent have to go? What did they do with the tent? You know, I picture them getting in the temple and wandering around a little bit, and then maybe they sort of set it over in a corner, leaned it in a corner, and over there they had tent committee meetings. So they brought the tent with them and all the furnishings. Where did they put all the furnishings? Did they fit in the temple? Was it the same, or did some of them stay there and some of them have to go into a storage room? And they brought up the carrying poles. The carrying poles were essential. They slid through the ark because the ark was so holy, it could not be touched by human hands. So the poles slid through and then the Levites, the priests could lift the ark and carry it. And they were essential when the ark had to move. But they brought up the carrying poles into the temple and they stuck out. They were so long, it says that they stuck out and were visible. But the ark had always had carrying poles. You know, there was a carrying pole committee that uh, took care of them and they had to stay there. And they say they're still there today. The ark is not moving anymore, but they have always had carrying poles. You see, they were in a time of transition, and it gets awkward, trying to figure out what, what do we need to keep and what do we need to lay aside. Sort of like the church in the last year and a half, we've been going through this transition of what, what do we need to keep and what do we need to lay aside. And, and we now have people that worship church online, not coming into this, this holy space. Think about it. When you come in here, you feel something, don't you? When you come into the sanctuary. Think of those people of God for generations, all their life they had gone into the tent. The tent had a smell. Do you remember canvas tents? Remember the smell that they had? The tent had a smell of the, of the tent and then of the earth, the dirt below the tent. And the tent had the smell from the smoke of the offerings and of the incense. And now they're walking into this temple made of limestone and gold and cedars from Lebanon. Completely different smell. 
So they were trying to figure out what do they need to keep and what do they need to take to the rummage sale. I love rummage sales. My wife does not like rummage sales. Maybe your family, maybe your family is split that way between rummage people and non-rummage people. I, I, I love a good rummage. I, we, there was a town on the way to Altoona. I loved the stop for what Cheryl called the junk store. It was way beyond rubbish. It was just junk. And, and one side was, you know, dishes and a little bit organized, but the other, the other was just old farm stuff, tools, railroad stuff. It wasn't even organized. You had to move stuff and dig. And I came out of there covered in rummage dust. It was just, just great. And she said, do we really need that? Look at this. And that's the way our CLC looks right now. Right now, they're, they're setting up the tables and starting to spread out the rummage. I didn't have much to bring this year. I, 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 some years, I've got a big pile. I start it downstairs and, and put it there as I'm always rummaging through stuff in our house. And, but this year is just a little pile. So I brought my rummage stuff over early in the week. And then on Thursday, a lady from the church was working at the rummage sale and she had the great idea that she would look at the stuff and pick out things to take to the church staff to decorate their office with. Now, I never name names in, in sermons, but this was Linda Neely. So <laughs> she comes into the church office and says, Alan, Alan, I got you the perfect thing at the rummage sale. And I said, great, but my face must have said, great. She goes, oh, no, no, it, it's pewter. I said, is it a mug? She said, yeah. I said, I took the mug to the rummage sale. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> you see, when I, was, when I was in high school, my high school band went to Florida, and I met a girl on that trip, and she talked me into buying a mug with my initials on it. Well, I was at that awkward age where nobody in my family knew what to buy me because I was sort of outgrowing matchbox cars. So they thought, oh, he likes mugs. So for five years, everyone in my family bought me a mug. I had a collection of mugs. I didn't like mugs, I liked the girl. But that didn't last long at all, but the mugs lasted forever. <laughs> so in fact, rummaging around this year, I found one of these mugs from way back then. And I thought, I just, you know, I don't need this anymore. So I took it to the rummage sale and it came right back to me. <laughs> so, so now I don't know what to do, I'm afraid. So I, I just put it on a bookshelf in my, my office. But what I'd really like to talk about is, is rummaging around in life, rummaging around in our lives. You know, we're, we start rummaging around in our stuff, and where do we get all that stuff? Does somebody carry it in when we're asleep at night? I don't, I don't know where it all comes from. But I'm not just talking about rummaging around in the stuff in your life around you, but rummaging around in the stuff in your life in here. Because we all do it. We all in our minds rummage around our life. 
Maybe we do it early in the morning, or maybe we do it later at night, or maybe we do it in the middle of the night when the stuff in our life wakes us up out of a dead sleep. And we rummage around in our life. We, we relive times again and again and again. We play those tapes in our life and we rummage, we rummage around. What I'd like to ask you to do is this week spend some time rummaging around in your life and invite God into that rummaging. You know, what, what is it we need to keep? And what is it we need to let go of? When we rummage around our past, there's, there's some things we think. You know, we're, we tend to be black and white people. And we think of a time in our past, that was terrible. That was all terrible. And that person was terrible. But you know, that's not really true. There was good and goodness in that. How do we rummage around in our past and, and glean out what was good that we need to have with us? How do we rummage around in our past, even when it was terrible, and hold on to what we need to learn from that so that we don't do that, make that mistake again? And what, what is it we need to let go of? I always think of a grudge. You know, grudge is an amazing thing. It's the only thing in the world that the longer you carry it, the harder it is to put down. Think about it. If you're carrying something heavy, all those grocery bags, laundry, a ton of bricks, the longer you carry it, really the easier it is to, to put it down. But not a grudge. No, a grudge is like, moving a couch. You might say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, give me a break. Just, just set it down, just set it down. I need to take a break, take a deep breath. I need to reposition my hands. And then we pick that grudge right back up. And up the steps of life we go, carrying something heavy that we really ought to take to the rummage sale. We really ought to let it go. And we spend a lot of time rummaging around in the future. Oh, what's it going to be like? What's it going to look like? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my children? What about my grandchildren? What kind of world are they going to live in? And we spin and we spin and we spin. But I ask you to invite God into that rummaging Hold fast to the goodness and blessing God has given you today. And what on earth would make you think he wouldn't do that in the future? What on earth would make you think he's not going to be there the way he's here and the way he was there? Invite God into the rummaging around in your life. It's so fascinating, this, this story from Chronicles ends. You know, there's this big pageant. There's, there's all this sacrifice. There's all these people. There's, there's the, the ark and the carrying poles and the, and the tent and the, and the furnishings. There's all this going on. But then the person keeping a chronicle says, 
there was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had placed in it, the Ten Commandments that God carved out and wrote and said to the people, Here, here's where you need to live. These are your boundaries. This is the fence that you need to live within. And if you do, life will be good. There will be blessing. And that's somehow the way our life looks, doesn't it? There's what is most important. And then there's all of this other pageantry and drama that spins around us. What is it in life that you need to hold on to? Look at the people sitting next to you. That is, that is what's most important. That is where goodness and blessing and love flows. Where is God in your life? the essential, and can you grab a hold for dear life? Never, never let go. So spend some time this week rummaging around your life with God. And it's a great time to do it, not just because we're having the, the rummage sale this week, but because of what's going to happen in the trees. You see, the leaves are going to show us the beauty of letting go. The leaves are going to let go of all of that green that's filled them through the summer, and their beauty, their true beauty, will burst forth all around us. Rummage around your own life and let go of self. Let go of what holds you back and allow God's love and grace and mercy and glory to just blossom within you. Amen.